0: Extra Time! Kia ora and welcome to this week's edition of Extra Time, a web-only programme brought to you by the sports team here at RNZ. I'm Clay Wilson and today we mull over all the latest from the Football World Cup in Russia, with the quarterfinal stage now upon us. We also catch up with a raft of Kiwis featuring in the sporting headlines this week, including rising mixed martial arts fighter Israel Adesanya, new Northern District's cricket coach John Bracewell, Blacksticks hockey captain Stacey Mickelson and southern steel netballer Wendy Frew. The hopes and dreams of just eight nations remain alive as the pressure ramps up at the Football World Cup. After an enthralling group stage, the drama continued over the past week across eight round of 16 games. I caught up with Max Toll, one half of RNZ's World Cup podcast, Squeaky Bum Time, on all the latest from Russia, and I started by taking my head off to Max for his bold, but ultimately correct prediction last week that Russia would send 2010 champions Spain home.
1: <laughs> I think the TAB will uh, be looking to hire me after that one, I, uh, I got 7 out of 8 predictions right for the round of 16 though, didn't manage to pick Sweden beating Switzerland, uh, probably the least glamorous tie as well, so... Uh, we'll see how my quarterfinal predictions go. OK, before we get into
0: that, obviously there's several other really gripping games in that round of 16. Which ones stood out for you? Obviously France, Argentina was a great game and then of, of course England as well. There was plenty of tension around that.
1: Yeah, the World Cup moves at such a lightning pace. It's It almost seems like uh, it was an, a- an age ago that we were watching France just completely dismantle Argentina in that cracking 4-3 game which would definitely be one of the games of the tournament so far and despite the scoreline reading 4-3 France were just by far the better team and and Argentina as they have done all tournament looked horrendous uh, at the back with a very old defensive line. And good riddance to Argentina. Uh, unfortunately, the same can't be said about Japan. Can't say good riddance to them, because they were fantastic against Belgium and really unlucky. And it'll be a big shame to lose them from the tournament. Another incredible game, uh, Japan going up 2-0, and then Belgium fighting back in the last 25 minutes. Um, to win 3-2 in the last second of the game, with a Nasser Chadley winner. Um, yeah... A funny a funny game. For, for 60 minutes, Japan looked like being Belgium's kryptonite, which is funny to say because Belgium have arguably one of the most, if not the most talented team at the tournament, and they came undone at the hands of a, just a really hard-working team, a unit that's about the team rather than the individual, a team that works hard, that defends with courage and determination. And funnily enough, at 60 minutes, down 2-0, the Belgium coach, Roberto Martinez, throws on Marouane Fellaini and Nasser Chadley. And I think there was a collective, what are you doing on social media? Um, two relatively unpopular players who no one predicted would change that match and then both did score and Belgium won. And now Roberto Martinez looks like a genius. And of course, the I suppose the third most memorable round of 16 game at least from my perspective was as you say England finally banishing ghosts of past major tournaments gone by and beating Colombia in a penalty shootout and look if England can win penalty shootouts surely the sky's the limit everything's upside down Um, football it might just be coming home everyone is getting their hopes up and uh, with a, a relatively easy path to the final. It's going to be pretty hard to stop that England bandwagon rolling on. Can you tell
0: me about your own emotions during that England game? Because there's been some amazing footage come out of England fans all around the world watching that game, watching that penalty shootout. Um, must have been incredibly um, nerve-wracking to watch.
1: Yeah, so for the Squeaky Bum Time podcast, I uh, I had a feeling it would get... Uh, it would get to well squeaky bum time in that game, and I set up the mic and recorded the tea room uh, during the penalty shootout. Completely forgot about the mic, and listening listening to it back, I uh, I think I hit a a note or, or a pitch that I'd never reached before in terms of how high it was. My my squealing reverberated around the Radio New Zealand corridors. Um, I was still shaking from that shootout. An hours later, it was just the most brilliant exhilarating heart-stopping thing especially considering the context of the game falling to a uh, you know the game being tied at one all from a late columbia equalizer england actually missing that first penalty and there was a sense of doom um around the the the, the later stages of this game that you know it's going to happen to us again and then you know pure elation like the the Shawshank redemption moment we, we threw our hands up in the air i think i fell down to two knees and and reached to the heavens and and squealed like a like a stuck pig. Okay, well I guess
0: in terms of purelation, do we think that's going to happen again? You mentioned there obviously England having Sweden in the quarterfinals, and I guess most people would acknowledge that that's perhaps one of the easier paths they could have got to get through to the semi-finals. But still a pretty tough match. So I guess looking at that game and then the other three quarterfinals, they all seem like games that could go either way really.
1: It would be folly to write off Sweden because they are a good team, but this would certainly be the the simplest route I think any team in history would have taken to the final if England do in fact make it to that uh, make it to that stage. And yes, I do have them beating Sweden. I think Sweden actually play a relatively similar uh, brand of football as Colombia, but but. Ha- but perhaps not quite as well. Another just really well-organised team that are going to pack their men behind the ball. They're going to, you know, uh, surrender possession to England and um, essentially park the bus in in, in sporting terms. Um, but I think England will just have too much quality on the day and this is an England side that's built to play with the ball and to break down teams that do play defensive, uh, defeatist football. So I do have England winning that game, I have Croatia beating Russia, I think those two quarterfinal games won't be pretty for the neutral, um, but I do have England and Croatia meeting in the semis. And then on the other side, um, I'm going to be very boring and and say France will beat Uruguay despite Uruguay's excellent defensive performance at this tournament so far, and Brazil-Belgium, that sort of reeks as a... Control meets chaos kind of game where Brazil have been very tactically astute all tournament. They've defended terrifically and, despite some patchy moments, have always looked like winning. Uh, whereas Belgium are just like a runaway freight train. And, I, I, and, you know, they're capable of scoring goals, but equally, if not more, capable of conceding. And I think, you know, we give Neymar a lot of stick for his histrionics, but he's going to have a field day against either one of those Belgium fullbacks who completely ignore the responsibility of defending.
0: Brilliant. Well, we're all looking forward to those quarterfinals and all the best to your beloved England in that game and uh, thanks for your time again today. That was Max Toll, who's one of the hosts of RNZ's football podcast, Squeaky Bum Time. The New Zealand UFC fighter Israel Adesanya is currently in Las Vegas preparing to fight 8th ranked Hawaiian Brad Tavares in a quest to break into the top 10 of the middleweight division. In a unique twist, the two fighters share a lot more than first thought. Not only is Adesanya's opponent coached by Kiwi striking legend Ray Seffel, both Adesanya and Seffel stem from the same gym in Auckland. Ravinda Hunya caught up with Adesanya.
2: This fight a little bit different in terms of, I mean, he's Brad Tavares has got Ray Sepphor in his corner, sort of a mm-hmm. indigenous BLGVBLG. BLG. So, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I think that's cool. Like uh, Ray's a smart guy; he's been one of the greats of New Zealand uh, throughout the years. You know, now um, he lives in Vegas; he coaches these guys. But yeah, for me, I just feel like, you know, because people always, uh I do not say compare, but you know, people have, have spoke about me and him in the same era sometimes. But this weekend, this Friday, I'm gonna grab the torch. You know, they say he passed the torch. You know, I'm gonna grab the torch off them Get with it.
2: He's ranked number eight. How bad do you want a top ten spot?
3: Not even close. I don't even bother to be honest. I just want to keep fighting, fight the best kinds of my era, and keep climbing the ranks. Grab the belt, keep fighting. That's just like my only. I guess MO just keep messing people up
2: talking about that you know the champion of your division I've spoken to you about it before Robert Whitaker what are your thoughts on his form at the moment
3: his form uh, yeah I think good fight last fight you know I came back from adversity multiple times. Um, times but yeah it's uh, one of those ones where it's like I just I hope he keeps the belt even just until next year so I can come through and take it off him
2: so you I do have him enough,
3: in your sights 100% he's in there Everyone, everyone else in my crosshairs, everyone can get it. I'll discriminate.
2: And, of course, you're fighting one day and teammate Dan Hooker the next. How special is that?
3: That's cool because we kind of came through this camp together. It's been easy just to have him there. Some days when I don't feel like I want to push, he'll push me Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Some days I can see when he's flat and I'll just poke the bear. I'll push him as well. And, yeah, it's, it's cool having that camaraderie amongst the team.
2: Now, Tavares has been quoted in saying he doesn't believe you deserve the spot you're in right now in the UFC. What are your thoughts about that?
3: He's only here because of me. Has he ever been a main event before? Nope. I don't think so. He's only here because of me. He's only here because I put him here, because I'm here. I'm the guy. Yeah, he's he's only here because of me. If, if I wasn't fighting him, he would be fighting on an undercard somewhere.
2: He actually wanted Michael Bisping and sort of said that he's had to settle it's for a you. It's retirement
3: fight. Yeah. So a little bit of chatter about that, but... He's only here because of me, so, yeah, I'm taking over the show.
2: Before you got all the recognition that you have now, is, has life changed for you since becoming this, you know, undefeated UFC star?
3: For me, I keep that same energy. I keep saying that I keep that same energy. People and certain things around me change because they're getting adjusted to the way my lifestyle is. I look at this, you my lifestyle is. But for me, I'm still just chilling, just doing my own thing, buying a house, which is cool. So that's probably, like, one of the main differences. I'm sick of renting. find <laughs> me a spot so I can, um, you know, get more dogs, my own space, my own rules. Might even paint the house my however I want. I don't know.
2: And this weekend, how does the style bender win this fight?
3: I'm going to knock him out. It's going to take less than two rounds.
0: That was Ravinda Hunia speaking to Kiwi Mixed Martial Artist Israel Adesanya. Former coach of the New Zealand cricket side John Bracewell doesn't believe it's necessary to appoint a New Zealander to replace outgoing Black Caps coach Mike Hessen. The 60-year-old Bracewell has been appointed coach of Northern Districts, having previously coached New Zealand for five years and most recently Ireland. Canterbury's Gary Stead and Grant Bradburn, who's currently coaching Scotland, have been touted as Hessen's likely replacements. Bracewell doesn't believe the replacement needs to be a New Zealander, although they must understand the team culture and not try to change it. And he told sports editor Stephen Houston he has no intention of throwing his hat in the ring for a second time in the job.
4: No, I've hidden my hat. My, my hat is well and truly buried. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm not interested in, 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 in that. I'm more interested in servicing and providing. Quality cricketers to that, that, that next group. I've had my go at that um, and, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed that experience and, and it's something that you know I, I would never 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 want to not have done an and, and experience and I, you know it was just it was just a wonderful experience, but I've had my time, and there are other people who who are on that pathway. you know my my competitiveness now is is, is in the production of of quality cricketers. Um, and, and not necessarily, or my ambition is, is the production of quality cricketers, not necessarily the management of them.
3: It must be a, an all-consuming job that, that Black Caps won.
4: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it consumes your family more than you, you can understand um, because, you know, they, your family loves you unconditionally. The world doesn't necessarily, you know, and 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 that that is that's probably the biggest burner of, of, of all. You know, the job itself is wonderful, but that those um, uh, those those pressures that come in, in in the modern world on 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 your on your family are, are things that they give it they give it a, a shorter time than you'd probably want.
3: Does Mike Hesson's replacement need to be a New Zealander? Or should it be a New um, Zealander?
4: No, I think he just needs to fit the culture that Mike has set up and, and Mike and, and Brendan and Kane and needs to have that, uh, those characteristics that will continue this, this culture that has been developed as opposed to somebody coming in and going, I'm going to stamp my culture on it. You know, There is a well-performed, uh, healthy culture that currently exists in New Zealand and, and that next person has to complement that.
3: That can take quite a bit of doing, can't it? Because some, personality-wise, coaches may, may not be able to, to adapt like that.
4: Well, that's the interview process. It's not the, the biggest name that's going to please tomorrow's fish and chip paper. It, it, it's, it's genuinely about what is the legacy that's been set up, how have we gone about that, and how do we continue it? To try and reinvent, you can improve the wheel, but they don't need to reinvent it. You know it's a pretty good wheel as, as it is, but they need to just you know take time, review, and really make sure that they're actually bringing somebody into the culture that will suit and 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 enhance the culture.
0: Former Blackcaps and now Northern Districts coach John Bracewell talking to Stephen Hewson. Just one change was confirmed when the New Zealand women's hockey team for the World Cup starting in London later this month was named earlier this week. 21-year-old Auckland midfielder Lulu tuiloto who made her Black Sticks debut in Cromwell in May, is the only newcomer to the group who won gold at the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast in April. I caught up with Kiwi captain Stacey Mickelson after the team was named and started by asking what people could expect from tuiloto who was the first player of Tongan descent to turn out for the National Women's Hockey side.
5: Yeah, Lulu's a very exciting young player. Um, she's so skillful and has an incredible ability in the circle to score goals. So that's you know, going to be a very much welcome addition to our midfield strike line. So I'm very much excited to see yeah, what Lulu can do at the World Cup.
0: Does seeing her come in remind you of when you came into the team at that stage of your career?
5: Yeah, I think the the really pleasing thing about Lulu is that she has an incredible skill set and she carries the ball so well and is, has also a really good ability to feed the ball on forward, which is certainly two important skills that we need in our midfield.
0: Just in terms of this year, obviously the Com Games was a big highlight, but either side of that, Argentina and then Cromwell things, didn't perhaps go exactly as you panned. So I guess how's the team placed going into this World Cup?
5: Yeah, obviously we've had a lot of games this year and we have um, had the opportunity to use our wider squad throughout those games, which is great. You want to continually obviously develop people in the program and give everyone an opportunity to play so we've had obviously um, a different assortment of results but I think for us it's just recognising that um, when we all do our job out there and when we perform as a team we we can do well so just going into the World Cup with confidence that if if we are willing to put it all out there that we can be successful.
0: Given that I guess you're still able to take the confidence that you would have gained a huge amount of confidence out of what happened at the Commonwealth Games?
5: yeah definitely I think obviously two important aspects of the Commonwealth games and one winning a shootout for the first time, which is yeah really positive for us because you know we do tend to go to them quite often, so yeah having the confidence from that is really important and then secondly also just the ability to win two big games in a row is huge for us and that's something that we certainly haven't been able to do in the past so I think yeah we definitely take a lot of confidence from our ability to perform in big games when it mattered.
0: Just in terms of your pool obviously you 've got Australia but Japan and Belgium, so how do you assess your pool at the tournament?
5: Yeah, I think it is a really difficult pool, and I think that 's the nature of a world cup um there's sixteen teams there and you sort of look at all of them and they 're all really tough teams and that 's the nature of I guess hockey internationally at the at the moment for the for the women 's program is that there are so many good quality sides that are all really close to really close to that top standard. Um, So for us, our goal is to win our pool um, because if you do win your pool, you go straight through to the quarterfinals. But we're certainly aware that in order to do that, we'll have to be at our very best.
0: Okay, so in terms of when you guys leave and what your preparation from here involves, what does that look like?
5: Uh, So we leave this Sunday on the 8th, which um, will be nice. We're looking forward to sort of getting over to the European summer. Um, So we're heading to Germany first for our Four Nations. Uh, We will be playing Germany Poland and Argentina so that will be a fantastic build up tournament for us and certainly will um, let us know very quickly what we need to fix um, come World Cup because there's obviously three very quality sides um, and then we head over to London from there and um, yeah look forward to starting the World Cup.
0: And just finally this is going to be the biggest ever attended sports event in the UK for women so that must be cool to be part of something like that?
5: Yeah absolutely, obviously um, we love when hockey grows and I think it has grown within New Zealand um, of recent times and it's fantastic on the world stage when you get to play overseas and um, in countries where um, hockey is really important and particularly for women it's so exciting and we know that it'll be a little bit difficult at times playing in front of big crowds but it's certainly something that we're also looking forward to.
0: Black Sticks captain Stacey Mickelson speaking there ahead of the looming Women's World Cup in London. The captain of the Southern Steel, Wendy Frew, announced this week that the 2018 netball season would be her last. When it comes to an end, Frew's career will have included 16 seasons in the national competition for the Steel and a solitary test for the Silver Ferns against Australia in 2008. I caught up with Frew after she announced her retirement and started by asking what the key reasons were that led her to that decision.
6: I guess for me I just feel like the time's right. I've I've been going a long time now and the body starts to slow down a bit and this Achilles injury has, has been extremely hard to come back from. So I feel like I've come back this year and um, probably not hit the form I would have liked, but getting close to it. But, yeah, I just think, um, yeah, the body's ready to hang it up and obviously um, just get some more family time in there.
0: When did you come to this decision, Wendy?
6: Uh, I've been thinking about it for a couple of months now and sat down with my husband um, a couple of weeks ago when, when I knew it was close to contracting time and I really didn't want to, um, I guess, might still around in case... You know they wanted to move on, so I thought it was important I let them know um, early in the piece so you know they can go out and contract um, players in my position, and um, just give them time so you know to be able to do that.
0: In terms of breaking the news to the team, how did you do that, and how did they react?
6: Oh, I think the the girls are pretty understanding. Um, I told them at training yesterday, and then just before the press release went out. But obviously, there's a couple of girls in the team who I've been playing with for a long time, so I um caught up them the last few weeks and just told them about the decision and. I've all been really
0: supportive about it. It's been quite a long career, I think 16 seasons if if I'm right. So I guess what for you has been the secret to that longevity?
6: Oh, I think we've had great trainers and, and physios over the years, which really makes a difference, especially you know, me getting a bit older the last few years. It's been really helpful having having that support around me and, and with the planning in the gym and all the trainings and stuff like that. And, and definitely that family support has helped me be able to get out there all the time and and just make sure when I'm on um, that netball mode, commit to it.
0: You've obviously I never played down there for the steel. Did you ever think about, it or were you given the opportunity to go and play elsewhere?
6: Yeah, I did a couple of times. Um, definitely not the last few, but there was a few franchises um, at times that were after me to sign. And um, yeah, it's, it's something you know I thought I potentially would do, but it just kind of never happened. And um, obviously, to play for the same franchise for so long, it's certainly an honour for me, and i have had a great relationship with the franchise, so um, yeah, it's been pretty special to play, play in the same spot the whole time.
0: Looking beyond this season, what will you do with your free time now? Do you intend to stay involved with the game at all?
6: Yeah, I'd love to stay involved with the game for sure, I think um, first and foremost, just for the rest of the year, I'm just going to have lots of family time and just catch up with mates that I haven't seen enough of, and um, I'll certainly be supporting the girls next year, and I'll, I'll be at all, all their games carrying them on, but um. In terms of the future and what that holds, no, no real plans in conflict yet. So we'll just um, I guess enjoy the environment and, and just the rest of the year just concentrate on chilling with the family.
0: You'll obviously get more time to reflect at the end of the season and in the months after that. But looking back, what have been some of the highlights of your career?
6: Yeah, so many highlights. Um, it's hard to pick them, but I guess starting with, in the spring days, you know, with the Don O'Dean, the Lesleys, um Fantastic way to start my career with those and, and those girls certainly taught me a lot and we got a lot of wins back in, back in those days and then getting the championship last year was extremely, um, extremely satisfying. Um, you know, we'd played AMZ and just, you know, grinded semifinals but never really got to the top so it was pretty pretty remarkable last year to do that and never can beat that feeling of getting that black dress on so that was also pretty special to me too.
0: And just finally, you obviously represented New Zealand in softball and touch so I guess in terms of netball, what was it that made netball win out? Um, it
6: wasn't really tough decision. Um, I kind of had to make that round when know, I was still at school actually. Um, and I loved all the sports I was playing but I think for me I got the opportunity in Form 7 to be in the Sting team and that kind of uh, was a dream um, come true for me. I certainly had that set as my goals but probably didn't anticipate it to happen at that age. So I obviously made the Sting from there and then there was never, never no t- um, looking back after that.
0: Southern Steel skipper Wendy through there talking about her decision to retire at the end of the current national netball season. And that's all we have for this week's edition of Extra Time. Remember, you can keep up with all the latest in sport on the RNZ website or through our Twitter account at RNZ Sport. Your feedback, as always, is also welcomed at sport at radionz.co.nz. Until next week, I'm Clay Wilson. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.